0: Well, I, I want y'all to know that everything that could go wrong went wrong. <clears throat> when I was getting ready this morning and r- running behind, as always, I didn't pay any attention when I left the house and didn't realize till I got here that I had put on some pants that were covered with stains. <laughs> it was too late forgot my belt. <clears throat> when I got here, I ran to the restroom and the floor was flooding and nobody seemed to care, but I rushed out, realized I forgot my notes. Oh, I left them in the car. I rush out to the car. Somebody's moved my car. <laughs> so I finally find my car and get my notes. And get in here, and y'all have given up on me, and Blake is leading y'all in VBS songs. And then I woke up from my dream last night. <laughs> so today has gone much better than, than my dream so far. <clears throat> to, today we're going to talk about virtue, and and this is the the second week of our summer series and I, I wanted to start by reading the two verses uh, for which this series is based and that's second Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. But also for this very reason giving all diligence add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Chaz read this last week. And it's interesting to me that Peter chose to start with faith. Is faith mentioned first because it's most important? As was the practice then and even today, a lot of times when we're enumerating something, we put the most important thing first. And I think it's certainly reasonable to say that nothing really matters. None of these other things really matter if you don't have faith. But also interesting that he ends with love. And also is a practice today that a lot of times when there are more than several things, we don't necessarily put them in order. Sometimes we put the most important thing first and the second most important thing last this is true in medical journals when a paper is written composed by seven different authors the primary author is first and the secondary author is last and you also see this in theater today when you have stars you know you'll have the premier star is listed first but the the second best star likes to be saved for the end and say, and also starring, you know, and whomever. But this is kind of opposite of what we read in Galatians when Paul is telling us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul starts with love. Does that mean that love is the most important? Do we have any indication that love is the most important? Well, I think certainly we do. In fact, he spends much of that chapter uh, talking about love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, talks about how anything that we have without love is meaningless. We can have... We can speak in tongues, we can cast out demons, we can do wonderful things, we can offer ourselves even to be burned up, but if we do it without love, it's meaningless. Uh, So he concludes that chapter in 1 Corinthians by saying, um, the greatest of these is love. So interesting that we, we see Peter start with faith and end with love and kind of a continuing theme here. But today we're going to talk about virtue, and what, what is virtue? Does anybody have a good definition of what virtue really means? Virtue, simply put, is a good quality. Uh, it does not have to necessarily be a moral goodness. It's just a good quality. Uh, And that can apply to inanimate things, too. I mean, Alan could tell me the virtues of one flooring versus another. You know, that this type of flooring is superior to some other flooring. Uh, But what we're talking about here in the Bible is, of course, morally good uh, characteristics or qualities that are morally good or desirable. Our word virtue comes from the Latin ver, v-i-r, which actually translated means man. And not that man is the origin of virtue, but in the sense that man should aspire to have goodness or good qualities. That word is, uh, that's the root word of virtus, v-i-r-t-u-s, which means valor or merit or even moral perfection. So that's where we get our word, virtue. And virtue has lots of definitions. Uh, It can be a, a morality or a standard of right. It can be a beneficial quality. It can be strength or courage, what we call valor oftentimes. It can be just a commendable quality or a merit or even the capacity to act. But virtue is thinking and doing what is right and avoiding what is wrong virtue is also a balance so when we when we think about virtue and and what that means we talk about courage courage is a virtue but there has to be a balance you know when we're speaking about courage you know there are two extremes of courage on one extreme you have cowardice Inability or, or not acting, not doing anything, and on the other extreme, even recklessness. So, for example, if you find out a friend is in dire straits in Birmingham, <clears throat> on the one extreme you could say, good luck with that, you know, and hang up the phone, and that's the lack of courage, the lack of doing anything. On the other extreme, you could hop in your car and drive 170 miles an hour to get there to help them. And that's reckless. So you end up putting yourself and more in danger. So virtue in that sense is sort of a balance of those two extremes. It's also with charity. Charity and generosity and giving is a virtue. And so on one extreme, you have stinginess, not giving at all, and on the other extreme being lavish or extravagant or giving too much. For example, it's not really charity or generosity to um, to give somebody money to buy drugs. You know, when they're waiting in line to, to purchase drugs, you say, here I want to be generous. You know, so there's a balance there that is the root of virtue. And what is the opposite of virtue? Another V word we use a lot, and that is vice. You know, so we have virtues and vices, and hopefully we have more virtues than we do vices. I I wanted to read a few quotes from some people of our time and before that pertain to virtue and particularly certain virtues. Um, There have been lots of really smart people over the centuries that uh, have talked about virtue and different types of virtue and C.S. Lewis said, courage is not simply one of the virtues but the form of every virtue at the testing point. (coughs) Maya Angelou, uh, talking about curtu- uh, courage as a virtue, said, courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can practice any virtue erratically, but nothing consistently without courage. And I think that's certainly true That in in, in many episodes and events in our life when we're faced with making a decision. If we don't have courage to do the right thing, then it won't matter, you know, are we generous, are we kind, are we loving. We don't have the courage to do it in those tough times. Samuel Johnson said, Courage is the greatest of all virtues because if you haven't courage, you may not have an opportunity to use any of the others. And Claire Booth Luce said, courage is the ladder on which all other virtues mount. Gratitude is another virtue, and Marcus Julius Cicero said, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. And Aristotle concluded that wisdom is the greatest virtue of all says the man who had plenty of it. Um, I don't know that I necessarily agree that wisdom is the greatest virtue. Uh, There are lots of wise, wise, very wise men and women who did not espouse to have uh, very many virtues otherwise. Um, I love what... um, St. Augustine said about humility as a virtue. He said, Humility is the foundation of all the other virtues. Hence, in the soul in which this virtue does not exist, there cannot be any other virtue except in mere appearance. Thomas More said, Humility, that low sweet root from which all heavenly virtues shoot. And even Confucius said, humility is the solid foundation of all virtues. So there are lots of virtues that the Bible talks about. And in preparing for this lesson, I asked Amy, I said, What what's the first thing that pops in your mind when you hear the word virtue? And she immediately said, Memal. And Memal was a virtuous woman. Uh, Meemaw lived for God. Meemaw did what was right, even when it wasn't popular. Meemaw encouraged other people to go to church. Meemaw never spoke poorly or badly about anyone. Uh, Meemaw held herself to a higher standard, and Meemaw was that great example of virtue in Amy's life. Uh, and has, a, has had a lasting effect on her uh, to even this day. The Bible gives us lots of examples of virtue and men and women who lived with virtue very firmly in their lives. Does any character, any person in the Bible stick out in your mind when you think about virtue? I'm sorry, Job. Absolutely, Job is an excellent example. Job lived in a time where he had plenty, and that was all taken away from him. And he could have very easily turned away from God, um, but uh, stood steadfast. Uh, One that comes to mind to me early in the Bible is Noah. Noah. And Noah lived in a time that I can't imagine, a time where the, every thought and action of mankind was evil. The Bible says that save Noah and his family, the world was completely full of evil and iniquity. And not just lots of it, but that's all that men did continuously was evil. So much so that God was sorry that he created man on this earth. So much so that he saw fit to destroy this earth. Uh, and I I can't imagine what that time is like. I mean, we live in a time where certainly we see evil. You turn on the television you see it. You can drive down the road and you can see it. You can see it in your workplace. But but there are lots of good people in this world. Lots of good people in this room this morning. Lots of people that I know seek Christ and seek to be godly every day. None of us perfect, but people that are striving to be godly people. So, where Noah was faced with the challenge that he didn't have that, he didn't have a community of folks like we do, a family of Christians, family of godly people that he could go to and sort of get refreshed and have some reprieve from the evil of the world. He didn't have that. And then he was charged with doing an enormous task, building a giant ark to house all of the animals of this world. And... Noah was basically 500 years old when he started this task. He was 600 years old when the floodwaters came. And I'm a long way from 500 years old. But even today, the thought of erecting such a structure is overwhelming. But Noah did it without question. And, And he took a long time to do it. And he and his family did this in the face of scoff and ridicule. Uh, So Noah was a virtuous man to live in that time and to stand up to all of the ridicule and continue with God's will for him. Another example is Daniel. We read in Daniel 1 where Daniel was chosen by the new king or the king that had taken over um, that area, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was chosen as good and to basically be raised under his care and to be educated in his language. And part of that was that he, along with some others, were would receive delicacies and wine from the king. So he was going to eat like a king but Daniel said no I don't want to defile I don't want to be defiled so he said no and the chief of the eunuchs said well this could cost me my head you know if you start walking around looking emaciated you don't look as healthy as all the others then the king's going to ask why and I'm going to have to tell him that you didn't partake of his delicacies and his wine And, of course, Daniel, having good favor with the chief of the eunuchs, worked out a deal with him and said, give me ten days, just give me vegetables and water, and we'll see how it goes. At the end of that ten days, Daniel and his three friends looked better than anybody else. So Daniel could have taken the easy road and said, great, this has worked out great, we get to eat like a king. But he said, no, I'm going to serve God. And so he refused. <clears throat> Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, other great examples of virtue because they were faced with a decree from King Nebuchadnezzar that when the music played, everybody should bow to this gold image that Nebuchadnezzar had made and everybody would worship the god that Nebuchadnezzar had made. And when word got back to him that there were three guys that were refusing to do this, of course he was angry. He said, bring them here immediately. And he gave them a chance to do it and they said, no, <clears throat> we will serve our God and no other God. He said, I'll throw you in the fire furnace. And he said, our God is able to deliver us from that fire. But even if he doesn't, we, we will serve our God. And, of course, we all know the story. Nebuchadnezzar was enraged, had them to make the fire seven times hotter than it usually is, so hot that the guards that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the fire died themselves because of the heat from the fire. But Nebuchadnezzar looked up and saw four people four images in the fire walking around unharmed and called them out. That's tremendous courage and tremendous faith that those three men displayed there when they could have easily, like everyone else, fallen down and worshipped this golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had created but so strong was their courage and their faith and so full of virtue that they refused and they were exonerated because of it. Another great example is Joseph. And Joseph, lots of stories about Joseph, but particularly when he has uh, a spouse to this level of success, but then he's seduced by Potiphar's wife. Well, he he has enough virtue and goodness and godliness to flee, costing him a lot of pain in the end. Um, When I think of virtue, I think of Mary and Joseph, and I think of Mary as a young lady, uh, unwed, that God chose her of all of the women on earth God chose her and he chose her for a reason. He he knew that Mary was a godly woman, but he also knew that Mary was virtuous, that she would have the courage to stand up to the criticism that she would receive being with child out of wedlock. Um And, of course, that was a very, very different stigma then than it is today. Um, So much so that it would have been proper for her to have been put to death. Um, So a lot of virtue in Mary uh, that she was chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. I think of John the Baptist and John the Baptist did a lot of great things so much so that Jesus said that he was the greater than all of the prophets that preceded. But one thing that sticks out about John the Baptist to me that as as pertains to virtue is as great as he was and as big as his following was. There were those who wanted to follow John exclusively and put him on this pedestal, and John had enough virtue to say, no, that's not me. There's one coming after me that is greater than me. He is so great, I'm not even worthy to carry or to loosen his sandals. John could have just taken this fame and popularity in, But instead, he said, basically, I'm nothing. The one who's coming after me is the one that you need to be worshiping. And probably as much as anybody, I think about Stephen. Stephen was a young man that was chosen when the apostles were trying to preach and spread the word and pray and some came to them complaining that the widows were not being taken care of. And the, the twelve apostles said, We need to be busy about the Lord's work. So why don't we get seven men and let them take care of this? So they chose seven men. Stephen is the first one mentioned. And Stephen is one of the seven that's going to take care of the widows and make sure that their needs are met so the apostles can focus on their ministry. Well, Stephen has such a powerful impact on everyone that uh, many people are angered. They can't refute the spirit that is within him. So they start trying to spread lies that he is blaspheming God. And they have him brought before the council because they want him dealt with, and they spread rumors that he's blas- he's continuously blaspheming God and the and the tabernacle, synagogue rather. And the council looks at Stephen, and what they see is his face as the face of an angel. And Stephen begins to go through the whole um, time from Abraham um, and how these people have persecuted the prophets and, and now they have persecuted and put to death the Son of God. And they're enraged by this. And they, they Stephen looks up and he sees Jesus and he tells the council what he sees, and they cover their ears and they charge him and they run him out of the city and they stone him. And as he's being stoned, he says, Lord Jesus, I commend my spirit to you. And then he knelt down, and in the same matter as Christ on the cross, instead of being angry at those people that were throwing rocks at him, he said, God Please do not charge them with this sin. Much like we heard today that Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Um, that, that's a tremendous example of virtue to me. And I, I think also when we think about virtue, uh, of course our minds go to Proverbs 31... You know, a a virtuous woman who can find her worth is far greater than rubies. And the Proverbs writer goes on to list, starting in verse 10, a bunch of virtues uh, that make this woman virtuous. And I'll read through some of those. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. She's trustworthy. She does him good and not evil. She's full of goodness. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She's a hard worker. She considers a field and buys it from her profit. She plants a vineyard showing wisdom. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. Strength. She extends her hands to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy, showing charity and generosity. Strength and honor are her clothing. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Does anyone have any questions or comments about any of that? Next week, uh, Craig will be speaking, and he will be spree- speaking about knowledge. was actually talking to Craig many weeks ago, and we were discussing. Uh, at that point, we knew what we were each to be speaking on. And um, Craig, one of us said, I wonder how Blake chooses what topic he, he wants for each of us to do. Is, is it because it's something that we need to work on more? Craig said, well, I guess he's trying, Craig's topic is knowledge. He said, I guess Blake's telling me I need to study more. And I said, well, I'm not going to guess what he's trying to tell me then. If no one has any questions, would y'all close with a word of prayer with me? Dear, kind and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us every day. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the kindness and goodness that you show us every day. Father, we realize that we deserve none of this. We realize that we deserve death and suffering. We appreciate so much, Father, that your grace covers our sins and that your love allowed Jesus Christ, your son, to come down here and die for our sins. Father, we're thankful for that pure blood that is powerful enough to cover all of our sins. We pray, Father, that you will give each of us virtue. We pray that you will help us to grow in faith every day. And we pray that with that faith, we will increase in virtue. We pray, Father, that you will continue to grow us daily. And we pray that all that we do is in accordance with our will and is for your glory. Father, we ask that you watch over us as we depart from this class. We pray that you'll keep us safe. Help us always to be mindful of you and keep you first. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.